speak to us this Sabbath day. We ask that your truth touch our understanding. We ask that your Holy Spirit teach our deeper yearnings of heart and soul. It is our desire to bring all that we are before you, that we might touch, experience your touch upon us, and not only this hour, but in all aspects of our lives every day. We know that you are always near and that you delight in our worship as we gather to sing your praises. We know that your touch will be, is upon us this hour. We love your presence, Lord God. We ask that you build this household of faith into what you would want us to be. Lead us to do your will in the name of Jesus, who taught us how to pray. He taught us to pray with these words. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom and the power, and the glory forever. Amen. In 1914, Robert Frost, the poet, wrote a poem entitled, Mending Walls, M-E-N-D. And it goes, something there is that doesn't love a wall. That sends the frozen ground swell under it, and spills the upper boulders in the sun and makes gap 
makes gaps, even two can pass abreast. Well, what is it that doesn't love a wall? That's how the poem starts out. Something there is that doesn't love a wall. What is it that breaks boulders and freezes the ground, makes gaps that in boulders that even two can pass through? It must be some type of a natural force, something that's cold, that puts cracks in walls and represents the poet's point of view. The answer is frost. Frost is cold, and the poet, surnamed Frost, <laughs> is saying, I don't love walls. There was another man who lived about 2,000 years earlier who also didn't love walls. He dedicated his life, indeed his death, to bringing down walls. And his name was Jesus of Nazareth. Today's scripture takes place in the West Bank, which in Bible times was known as Samaria. Back then, like today, Samaria was populated by people who had an ingrained, deep hatred for the Jewish people. But the antipathy was mutual. The Jews despised the Samaritans. It was common practice for Jewish travelers to bypass Samaria by taking a longer route just to avoid passing through Samaria. What would Jesus do if he were in the West Bank today? Well, John tells us that Jesus purposely passed through Samaria. John chapter 4, verses 4 through 9. Now, Jesus had to go through Samaria. So he came to a town in Samaria called Sychar, near the plot of ground Jacob had given to his son Joseph. Jacob's well was there, and Jesus tried, tired as he was from the journey, sat down by the well. It was about noon. When a Samaritan woman came to draw water, Jesus said to her, Will you give me a drink? His disciples had gone into the town to buy food. The Samaritan woman said to him, You are a Jew, and I am a Samaritan woman. How can you ask me for a drink? And then, in an exceedingly great understatement, the verse continues, For Jews do not associate with Samaritans. Jesus did not love walls. He passed through Samaria. Obviously, we're talking about ethnic walls here. It was a hot afternoon in that desert region. Jesus found a shady spot, and he sank wearily to the ground beside a well to wait while his disciples went to get food in the town. A little later, a woman came to draw water. Jesus asked her for a drink. The woman was entirely flabbergasted and exclaimed, You are a Jew, and I am a Samaritan woman. How can you ask me for a drink? That bit of conversation was one of the first indications of an event that would bring down walls dividing people around the world. 
Today, Christianity is the most racially, culturally, and geographically diverse religion in the world. The nation of Jesus is a global phenomenon that was begun 2,000 years ago when this man Jesus told his disciples, go into all the world and preach the gospel. With other religions, you can point on a map of the world and say, most Hindus are concentrated in this area, or the majority of Muslims are in these countries, but don't even try that with Christianity. Today, 60% of all Christians inhabit regions equaling about two-thirds of the world's area, Asia, Latin America, Africa. More Christians worship in China than in all of Western Europe. In Scotland, less than 10% of Christians attend church. Meanwhile, in the Philippines, some 85% of that nation's population follow one of the major Christian faiths, 85%. In Nigeria alone, there are seven times as many Anglicans as are, there are Episcopalians in the United States. Why? Korea has four times as many Presbyterians than we have in the United States. Why? Well, in a way, if you think about it, it all started when Jesus passed through Samaria. Jesus was friendly as he passed through that hostile territory. He struck up a conversation with a stranger. Now, I can remember as a boy how people used to wave when a car passed by. If you're my age, you may have experienced that. Maybe it was the Southern thing, I don't know. It used to be considered polite for a man to tip his hat to a woman when they passed one another in the street. These type of courtesies are a thing of the past. Today, it seems we are surrounded by ultra busy people who race to get to the parking lot that we've already eyed. Most people acquire big ticket items using high interest rate cards these days instead of waiting to purchase the item when they saved enough money. I looked this stat up last night. Do you know that in the USA, household debt has reached $16.5 trillion as of the third quarter, 2022? People aren't looking for authentic relationships or even casual friendship. Just a split-second response to our parents from a stranger. How did Jesus respond to a stranger? Well, the answer is Jesus never knew a stranger. He never met one. Jesus loved robust social interactions even with people he had just met. He said, Zacchaeus, you come down from that tree right now. I'm going to your house to eat dinner. <laughs> he said, Peter, you big rock, come follow me. And to this Samaritan woman, at a well, he said, ma'am, <laughs> southern angle, <laughs> ma'am, may I trouble you for a drink of water? Jesus never knew a stranger. To know Jesus means we will never know a stranger. But more than that, to know Jesus is to surrender our right 
to decide whom we will love or whom we will hate. Now, I'm going to give you a brief history, a brief history lesson. In 710 B.C., the northern kingdom of Israel, also known as Samaria, fell into the hands of the Assyrian Empire. Judah, the southern kingdom, held out until 586 B.C., when, when they were defeated by the Babylonians. The, in, the Assyrians intermarried with the remaining Hebrew residents from Samaria who were not carried away into slavery. And after a few centuries, the ten tribes of the former northern kingdom of Israel no longer existed. The new Samaritans, no longer ethnically pure Hebrews, rewrote much of the Old Testament. They omitted the books of the prophets. They rejected the custom of worshiping on Mount Moriah. They adopted their own holy mountain. And then in 332 B.C., Alexander the Great conquered Palestine. And after his death, only nine years later, 323 B.C., Greek overlords called the Seleucids ruled Palestine. But it was the events of 168 to 138 B.C. that really increased Jewish hatred toward the Samaritans. Not just that they were ethnically impure or that they were messing with the scriptures. The Maccabees, led by Judas Maccabeus, threw out the Greek overlords and cleansed the temple. The anniversary of this event is still celebrated today on the Jewish calendar as the Feast of Hanukkah at the, at the time of the year when we celebrate Christmas. And one result of that revolt was that Jewish hatred towards Samaritans was inflamed. Why? Because the Samaritans supported the Greek overlords against the Jews. 2,200 years later, there are many Christians who harbor deep resentment toward Muslims. After all, they rewrote our scriptures. They say Jesus did not die on the cross. They put Muhammad on Mount Sinai. There are Muslim countries that support the eradication of Christianity. Should we despise Muslims, is it okay for us to dislike people because their beliefs are mistaken? Did Jesus travel through Samaria? Yes. It's obvious that if Jesus loved Samaritans, he surely loves Muslim people too. The true essence of Christianity is taking the character of Jesus there can be no holiness without his character within you. Jesus passed through Samaria. Jesus did not love ethnic walls. And on the day he died, the very last barrier fell. The veil of the Holy of Holies was split down the middle. The line separating good and evil does not run 
between ethnicities or between religions or between nations. The line separating good and evil runs right down through the center of every human heart. Every one of us at times operates out of mixed and impure motives. I encourage you to bring your impure motives to the table this afternoon. Let God's Holy Spirit break down the walls in your heart. So do you remember a song you sang as a child enabled or entitled, Jesus Loves the Little Children? person can be your brother or your sister. Yellow faces, red or brown faces, black or white faces, flat noses, pointed noses, green eyes, brown eyes, blue eyes, round eyes or almond-shaped eyes. Every human being, everyone from every tribe and nation can be part of God's family. Jesus did not love walls. And we should not love walls. Let us be like Jesus. Let us be a congregation that does not love walls. Communion is a time to reflect the love of Jesus. The church was the one place in the ancient world in Jesus' day where all persons could gather on an equal basis as brothers and sisters in Christ. The wealthy, the slave, the Greek, the Jew, the Samaritan, all were equal in the body of Christ. The church is not a place for struggle. The church is a place for love and sharing. At the Lord's table, we are all equal. And we should be reflecting the love of Jesus by loving one another. Communion is a time to remember the death and resurrection of Jesus. The first supper was at the time of the Passover. The Passover was a festival of remembrance when Jewish families remembered God's deliverance of his people from Egypt. Jesus redefined the meaning of that festival for his followers. As we take the bread and cup, we do so remembering that Jesus, through his death and resurrection, gave us a completely new way to be in a relationship with his Father. And communion is also 
a time to rejoice and anticipate the promised return of Jesus. Not only do we remember our Messiah's death and resurrection, but we also remember his promised return. The church lives in hope of his return, awaiting the day of the return of his bride. As we examine ourselves prior to partaking the Lord's Supper, we also prepare ourselves for his return. Jesus left heaven to lie in a manger. Then he left Nazareth to die on a cross. And then he left a tomb to fill your soul with God's Holy Spirit. I love that thought. <laughs> in our assembly of believers, we take communion with grape juice. We could use wine. What's important is the symbolism, the symbolism that the fruit of the vine illustrates. Jesus is the source of life and victory over death. Jesus said in John chapter 15, I am the true vine. And how do we get wine out of a grape? We crush the grape. Jesus was literally crushed. His flesh was torn open. His hair was pulled out. His blood was spilled. When we eat the bread and we drink the fruit of the vine, we remember how our Messiah suffered and died for us. The Lord Jesus, on the night he was betrayed, he took bread and he gave thanks. Let us give thanks. Heavenly Father, we do come to you at this very moment giving thanks that you followed the direction of your Father. You left Nazareth to die on a cross. usher in a whole new way for mankind to be in a relationship with your Father. We, we can't understand why you did it except to, to think that you, your love was so great. You were willing to do the ultimate, to die on that cross, because we know you trusted in your Father at that Death was just for a moment. As you pass back and you pass back to be with him. How grateful we are for your for your life as our Messiah. And you gave yourself for us. May we never forget that. That incredible sacrifice that you so willingly gave. We pray in the name of Jesus. Amen. Then Jesus broke the bread and said that this is my body which is for you. Do this in remembrance of me. Jesus then took the cup, a symbol of the new covenant in his blood. 
Let us pray. Heavenly Father, when we think of the wine, we think of the symbolism involved. The wine represents the blood of Jesus. Unless that blood was spilt, there would not have been remission of sins. Blood means business. Jesus certainly was all about making his way to fulfill his death on that cross. He had to die so that he could be resurrected. As we know that his death is, was not the end, it was just the beginning, or a small part of the beginning. The beginning that moved on to his resurrection from the grave. He rose again. And now he lives. He's, he's sitting next to you, Lord God, by your side. We don't understand it all, but it is by faith we are saved. This is where our faith takes us. To believe in your Son as our Savior, his death and resurrection from that cross, ushering in our salvation plan. Good for all the children of this world. Every person from every tribe and every nation has the same, has the same right. Every one of us can come before the throne and claim Jesus as our Savior. We are forever grateful and thankful with every ounce of our being. May our love reflect the love of our Messiah, our, our Lord and Savior, Jesus. In his name we pray. Amen. Jesus then said, This cup is the new covenant in my blood. Do this whenever you drink it in remembrance of me. Whenever you eat this bread and drink this cup, you proclaim the Lord's death until he comes again. Amen. Hallelujah. Man of sorrows, Lamb of God, by his own betrayed. of man and wrath has been on Jesus' name. Silent as he stood accused, beaten, mocked, and scorned. Bowing to the Father's will, he took a crown of thorns. Oh, that rugged cross, my salvation, where your love poured out over me. Now my soul cries out, hallelujah, praise and honor unto thee. Sent of heaven, God.
own son to purchase and and reconcile the very ones who nailed him to that tree. Oh, that rugged cross, my salvation, where your love poured out over me. Now my soul cries out, Alleluia, praise and honor. Now my debt is paid, it is paid in full By the precious blood that my Jesus spilled Now the curse of sin has no hold on me Whom the Son sets free, oh is free indeed Oh the rugged cross my salvation Where your love poured out over me my soul cries out, Hallelujah, praise and honor unto Thee. See, the stone is rolled away, behold the empty tomb. Hallelujah, God be praised, He's risen from the rugged cross my salvation where your love poured out over me now my soul cries out hallelujah praise and honor unto thee praise and honor unto thee praise and honor